Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. He is risen indeed. I'm writing a new book on health, and um, I've touched um, a couple of um, subjects in it, but uh, one of the things that I was doing is um, reflecting on medicine today and what it's like. Uh, Canada has a different system than uh, you folks. Apparently, you're going to get what we have. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Um, No, Canadians, to some extent, uh, we have a very good health care system. Um, The problem is is that... um, um, we don't have enough uh, doctors or facilities, and when you have a universal care like we have in Canada, the good news is that everybody gets covered. The bad news is that uh, you get very little individual time with a physician. And um, as a matter of fact, in the home uh, city that I come from, we have a population in Sudbury, Ontario, of 160,000 people. And over 60,000 people in our city have no family doctor. So the days of having a family doctor in Canada are just about gone. And even if you do have one, and this is what I'm making comment on in this book, is that uh, you'll get very little time with them. And um, the point I'm trying to make is that um, I'm comparing physicians today compared to what they used to be. And listen, I think we've made tremendous advances in medicine compared to uh, what it used to be. But I'm uh, admonishing physicians for this, that they are addicted to normal testing. Meaning that if your tests come back within normal limits, you could fall through the cracks. And the reason is, is because when you're trained as a physician, you're trained to ask questions. And then, you know, if, if, in my practice, for example, if you come to see me in my clinic in Sudbury, I have reserved one hour for you. I spend one hour with every patient that I have. Now, I have the luxury of doing that. Of course, I have to charge you for it. Um, but my training is that I need to ask questions in order to get to the bottom of the problem. And again, it's just as I train physicians even in nutrition, um, I get them trying to get back to, to where they go back and ask questions. Now, having said that, it's interesting when you read the Bible that uh, God, the great physician, asks a lot of questions. And what I want to do this morning and this evening is look at some of the questions that God asks. He always has a point to his questions. And just like a physician who would be sitting behind the desk would ask you, for example, about your symptoms, trying to get to the, to the bottom line of what's causing your problem, this is what God does. So let's look at a few of those this morning. Uh, I want you to, to, uh, by the way, 
the very first question that's asked in the Bible is uh, found in Genesis chapter 3. It's not asked by God, by the way, but I think it's very um, revealing. In Genesis chapter 3, the very first question that is asked uh, comes from Satan himself, the serpent. And what does he ask? Did God really say? Did God really say? Christian, we need to understand something. That we have an enemy. I think sometimes we forget that we, uh, we live in a world where Satan has his uh, domain. It's temporary. But we need to understand something that we're in a spiritual battle. I think if Christians would understand that more, and I'm not saying that you should see the devil behind every tree, but I, 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 I emphasize that the very first question in the Bible was getting at God's authority of His Word. Did God really say? And Christian, we have the Word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall never pass away. Thank God for this word. Christian, protect the word. And in your heart, hide thy word in thy heart so that I might not sin against thee. The very first question in the Bible. But I'm looking at God's questions as the great physician. You know what his first question is? Found in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve had sinned, you know what his first question is? Adam, where are you? Where are you? Think about that. What a question. Adam, where are you? And this is an important question, isn't it? Um, when uh, Jesus um, was talking with the woman at the well... He got her to the point of her life by asking her a question. It brought her to her problem by asking her a question. You know what the question was? Jesus said to her, um, <clears throat> Where's your husband? Here was a woman that had been looking for love in all the wrong places, and Jesus put His finger right on the problem with her. Hey, Where's your husband? Well, she had had several husbands. And God, in order to get at the root of the problem, asked her that question. The question that He would ask you, where are you? Now, God knows. And God knew where Adam was. He knew. But He wanted Adam to know. You know the problem in the world is? People don't know where they're at. They don't have any idea that they're lost. They, they don't see themselves as they really are. Oh, I'm not so bad. I'm a good person. You go door to door, you'll hear that time and time again. You remember Tim Hood? First time that Tim went over to Ireland, I went with him. And I'd never gone door-to-door -door, uh, before. 
I'd done some other type of evangelical work or handing out tracts and things like that, but I'd never gone to doors. It was interesting. I went with some of the best in Ireland. I, uh, one of the guy's names uh, actually was a missionary to Ireland for several years. Is now back in Canada. His name is D- uh, uh, Gary Weeks. He used to be a rock and roll star in the 70s. Actually had uh, several gold records. And uh, got saved, gloriously saved. And he brought Tim Hood over to Ireland. And I happened to go over with him on the very first trip. Short-term mission trip for me. But you know what I was impressed with? When they got to the doors in Ireland, you know what it was? They, they taught us a little bit. They said, okay, Tony, just tell them you're not a Jehovah Witness. Because <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> and uh, the Irish didn't like Jehovah Witnesses. And so you have to tell them right away that, hey, I'm not a Jehovah Witness. But you know what? As I listened, I went door to door with these guys. You know what I found out? They asked questions. That's how they get conversations going. What happens to you if you die? You know what? I was asked that question when I was 29 years old. I don't know if I was asked that for the first time in my life, but I was asked that question. What happens to you, Tony, when you die? I'll tell you what, I, can't, I couldn't get that question out of my head. I didn't even answer the question. But I couldn't get it out of my head. Because I had no peace about it. I didn't know what happened to me after I died. I guessed. I, I hoped. But I never had read the Word of God. And it wasn't until I read the Word of God that I, I found out that I could know. You know what? My mother, on her deathbed, Rosie and I, uh, Rosie's a nurse, and my mother wanted to die at home. And the only way she could come home, because her kidneys were no longer working, she could no, no longer void, uh, they had to put tubes in. And the problem with the tubes is that they would get clogged up very, very quickly. And the only way to keep her alive was they had to keep cleaning the tubes. And my wife was a nurse. And Rosie said, look, if she wants to come home, I'll take care of her. It was a way that Rosie and I could minister to my mother. And we know we would have some quality time with her alone. She didn't know the Lord. And one night that the, on... Uh, very shortly before she died, my dad called in the priest in order to come and administer the last rites to my mother. The priest went in the room. We left the room. And uh, it was a Saturday night. And um, the Lord impressed on me after the priest had left the room and gone out to have a drink with my dad. Rosie and I went in the room and I asked my mother this question. Mom, do you know where you're going? And with tears running down her eyes, she said, Tony, no, I don't. I said, Mom, would you like to know? And she said, yes, I'd like to know. And that very minute, Rosie and I prayed with her. My mother agreed that she was a sinner. Agreed that she needed help. Agreed that she fell short of the glory of God. Agreed with the condition of her diagnosis. Not her physical diagnosis, but her spiritual diagnosis. That she was a sinner lost and on her way to a Christless eternity. And I, and, 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 and Rosie and I led her to the Lord. And you know what? My mother said, Tony, I want you to sing 
amazing grace to me. And Rosie and I, with the priest outside, having a drink with my dad in the living room, in the bedroom of my, in my mother's home, we held my mother's hand and sang amazing grace. She said, Tony, you know, as a child, I didn't know this. She said to me that night, I never under, never knew this. She said, Tony, when I was a little girl, we were so poor that the only place that we could get clothing was at the Salvation Army. I get a headache thinking of my mother's childhood because there were 12 girls in her family. I get a headache just thinking about it. Okay. Um, 12 girls. My grandfather, I never understood, I never found out because my mother never talked about my, her father. I never knew him. I thought he had died before I was born. I found out later that he was institutionalized. Well, no wonder with 12 girls. <laughs> just kidding. But he actually died several years after I was born. But my mother said, because, you know, in those days there was no, there was no uh, social security or any kind of net that in a family that was uh, poor like that, in the, in, especially in the time of, of the Depression and that. You know what? My mother said that she went as a little girl to the Salvation Army to get food and clothing. And she heard the gospel as a little girl. And when I asked her that question on that night, um, in, uh, no in November of 1992, my mother came to know Jesus Christ. She lived for a, a, a very little short while after, and it was amazing. You know what she, she did? <laughs> it uh, just about killed my father. But she said, Tony preaches at my funeral. Otherwise, I do not want to be buried in the Catholic Church. My son will preach at my funeral. And she brought the whole family together the next day and told all of it. We were 11 kids. Told all of my brothers and sisters that she was saved and that they did not need to worry about my mother anymore. What a peace that came over her. So, folks, God says here, the question is, where are you? Where are you? And uh, what a question it is, isn't it? Where are you? Where are you at? It's interesting. There's another question here that's found. Excuse me. Another question here that's found in Genesis chapter 18. God asked this question. It's a great study, by the way, if you want to go through. And just jot down every time you see God asking a question. It really is uh, very interesting. Um, and he says uh, here, after Sarah laughed upon the announcement that she would have a child, God says this. It's a question, but we all know the answer to it. Here's what it says. Genesis 18 and 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's God asking the question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, is anything too hard for the Lord? So often, it's true in my own life, I've wondered about the, uh, the power of God. So often, I am of little faith. And I need to be reminded when God asks this question, is anything too hard for me? Paul in the, um, in the book of Ephesians says, um, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine or even think. Now, is that your God? That's my God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine or even think. You know what, Christian, I think so often? We miss out on the blessing of God because we do not believe that there is anything too hard for God. We know it. It's up here. We know that. We know that the Bible speaks of His greatness. But in our practical lives, what do we do? We live so often with no power in our lives. And you know why, Christian? Because we're not plugged into the source of that power, the Lord Jesus. Nothing in the flesh pleases God. And if you doubt, Christian, if you doubt, doubt never comes from God. Doubt never comes from God. Fear never comes from God. If you have fears, they're not of God. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a power of, and love and a sound mind. So that spirit is not of Him. Is anything too hard for God? And so often it's true, and I know in my own case, so often it's true, we have not. Because we've asked not. I don't know about you, Christian, but one of the things that I find the most difficult in my life is prayer. I can read the Bible. I love reading the Scriptures. I got no trouble doing that. I enjoy, I, I, have, I have certain disciplines that I, that I have in my life that I've created, and those are good things, I think. Uh, to make sure that I, I'm constantly uh, reading the Bible and in His Word. But you know what? I tell you, and God knows this and God knows my heart, the biggest problem I have is prayer. Is prayer. And Christian, we have not because we ask not. And, and we're, we're reminded in, 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 in the... Uh, Gospel of Luke in chapter 18, we're reminded that the, the Lord speaks to us of this woman that goes to an unjust judge. But he, she's constantly harassing him. And he says, boy, I better answer. I better give it to her because she's just going to drive me nuts. Tony's translation. But God, what Jesus is saying is, listen, come and keep coming. Come to me with your prayers and keep coming to me with your prayers. You know what my favorite psalm is? Psalm 40. 
I waited patiently on the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. And He brought me out of a horrible pit, even out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many will see, and many will hear, and put their trust in the Lord. And I am the most impatient person. And it's my favorite psalm. (laughs) Trying to remind myself, Is there anything too hard for God? You know what, Christian? Can I I challenge you? Can you and I do a little test this week? And you know, I know the Bible says not to test your God. But I think that God will honor this godly test. How about everybody that's in this room here today? Make a commitment. For the next week, for the next week, Instead of thinking about things that we don't need to think about, why don't all of us make a little pact here with each other that for the next week, we quit, we will not quit talking to God and asking in our prayers for Him constantly. One week. Whenever you think of it. I always tell my patients, you hear this voice? Don't forget it. Bring it home with you. Don't eat that, eat this. (laughs) But here's what we're going to do together. I think we can change things. Because is there anything too hard for God? Let's agree to pray this week without ceasing. Any chance you get at work, at the kitchen table... Whatever. Whenever your mind can think of it, let's pray together. You've got lots of things to pray about, I'm sure. I do. You want things changed, folks, in your life? We have not because we've asked not. And I know if you're thinking just like me, you see people, oh, you know what, they're not interested. You see your family members, you know, they're a, they're a hundred miles away from the things of God. You've seen it. I've got brothers and sisters who, uh, who've who heard the, the preaching of the Word, that saw their mother get saved, saw two of my sisters get saved, and yet in the big family. So they seem there's no interest. Oh, Tony, ye of little faith. There are people that ought to be here today. And they've fallen off. They're in a backslidden state. Maybe you've got them in your mind here. Oh God, would you do a great thing and bring those people back? Bring them back to yourself, God. Do you think that God won't honor that? Is there anything too hard for Him? We hinder His work because of our lack of faith. And I know it in my own life. I confess it to you openly. It's a huge problem with me. I got it all up here, but oh boy, I tell you, I doubt so often. I doubt His power. And if I knew His power to be true, I'd be talking to Him about it all the time. There was one particular problem and I this week, and the Lord just spoke to me about it. Tony, quit yapping. Talk to me about it. Whenever you're 
Whenever uh, you think about it, just come to me with it. Oh God, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be exhaustive. Just bring it before me. Again, and again, and again. The Lord says, cast all your cares upon me, for I careth for you. What a question. Sarah, is anything too hard for me? She got the answer, of course. Less than a year later. You go farther down, he asks another question. Same chapter. God asks another question. I love this. Verse 17, he says, uh, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? What a question! Shall I hide from Abraham uh, what I'm going to do? Well, the answer was obvious. He wasn't going to hide it from him. You know what, Christian, I love when I read this question? Shall God hide from you anything that He's going to do? I don't think so. When you read the priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus before He went to the cross of Calvary, you, you start reading in John chapter 14, and then you go right through to chapter 18. You read... Uh, about the Lord Jesus and He's with His disciples and then He's telling them uh, about this special relationship that Jesus Christ has with them. But you know what? He includes us in that. He says, I, I no longer call you servants because servants don't know their master's business. He said, I call you friends. You see, Abraham, folks, was a friend of God. Isn't it wonderful to think for a minute here this morning that you are a friend of God? You're a friend of God. He, he, he sticks closer than a brother. That's the relationship we have. And he says, you know what, Abraham, because he's my friend, am I, am I going to keep anything from him? No. God, listen Christian, listen to this. God reveals secrets to His friends. Do you know that you're in a secret society? The world doesn't understand these things. The world does know nothing of its future. They'll spend any amount of money. I, I, I read a sign coming down here this morning. 1-800-KNOW-YOUR-FUTURE. <laughs> You know, because the world, they want to know, man. What's going to happen to me? You know, and they get, and they, you know, my, my aunt used to do this. I, I, I told her about the verse in the Bible that, you know, and she didn't understand uh, about being a soothsayer. But I had an aunt, my Aunt Martha, that she used to take your hand and said, I can tell you what's going to happen in the future. I said, you know what, Matal? That's French for auntie. I said, tell me what happened to me yesterday, then I'll believe what you're going to tell me about the future. <laughs> Oh, no, I can only read about the future in your hand. She used to look at my hand. I look at my hand. I don't see a lot there. 
you know, the way the lines go or whatever. You know what, folks? Isn't it wonderful that you and I are included in God's close friends? It's wonderful, isn't it? But God has included us. You know what? I, I read the newspaper. I don't know about you, but I read the newspapers. Nothing surprises me. God's told me what's going to happen. Um, I didn't put all my eggs in the uh, stock market. feel sorry for you Americans with your debt. You're hurting us. No, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Rosie and I are bragging this morning because our dollar's worth more than yours. <laughs> Used to come to Florida and I get 60 cents for every Canadian dollar that I had. Now I get, they give me extra money. They do, they give me extra American money. But folks, listen, nothing surprises me. It doesn't surprise you, right? Does, this, does it surprise you that the, that the world is coming apart at the seams? Surely you didn't think that Obama was going to be your savior, did you? I heard young people, you know, on the news. Oh, man, this is it. He is it. No, he's not. You know why? You know why I knew it ahead of time? I knew it ahead of time. Because Jesus is my friend. And he told me, nope, that's, that's, he's not the savior. He's not going to be the one that brings you out of your uh, economy, uh, economic problems. Comes from Him, doesn't it? What a God we have, huh? God shares secrets with His friends. I'll tell you what, Christian, that changes our worldview, doesn't it? We look at things completely different. We realize that this world is not our home. God's told us. We don't put all our eggs in this basket in this world because this world is going to pass away. And I don't know about you. You can be in the recycling. You can uh, hug a tree. You can do all those things. Save the whales and kill the babies. You can do all those things. Okay? But you know what? I, I don't get into that stuff too much. Not that, listen, not that I want to pollute. Not that I want, don't want to be a good citizen. I do. Because God told me to be a good citizen. But I'll tell you what, folks. I don't put my eggs in all this world. I don't put my trust in Al Gore. I really don't. Because God shared secrets with me. How about you? Are you here this morning? And you've never trusted in Him? You wish to know Him as a friend? Oh, Christian, and oh, those who are not with, uh, or those without Christ this morning, you can know Him like this. You can know Him like this. God shares secrets with His friends. What time are we done, brother? We're done now, right? We'll, we'll keep it for tonight. Good to be saved, isn't it? Good to know Him, isn't it? Are we going to make a pact together? Are we going to be a praying group together? 
I can't keep you accountable. I'm heading back to Canada tomorrow. But I want, I want you to pray without ceasing this week. What does that mean? Anytime you get a chance. When your mind starts thinking about anything, stop it, bring it into captivity for a minute, and petition the Lord for people. You know, I, I have this little thing. I, I love walking. I like to go out for walks. And you know what I do in my hometown? When I see a car coming, and I see hundreds because I always uh, walk in a busy place, it reminds me of people. So I know what kind of car they drive, right? And so what I do, and this I think is a good exercise. You might try it sometime. When I see a car coming, let's say it's a Toyota. Well, I know that Joe drives a Toyota. I pray for him. I see a van. Oh, so-and-so drives a van. I pray for that person. And just lift them up for a few seconds to the Lord. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? You know, God wants to hear from us. I, uh, I had a friend in, uh, in, in Montreal. I used to do the uh, 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 baseball chapels uh, for the Expos. And uh, he was the head chaplain. And um, uh, I, I, I love the way Bob communicated with God because it was like God was right beside him all the time. That's the way it should be. You drive with Bob downtown Montreal and say, Lord, I need a parking spot. <laughs> you know? And uh, I mean it. Like crazy traffic and whatever, no place to park. And Lord, Bob, hey, Lord, you know, I need a parking spot. And you know what? There'd always be a parking spot come available. And he'd say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'd be sitting beside him and I'd go, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. A constant friend. Folks, we need to put God in that position. To see Him bless us. To see Him answering our prayers. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank You, O God, for this time. I thank You for these precious folks, Lord, that have come this morning. Father, again, Lord, You know our needs in this assembly. You know our hurts, and You certainly know our wants. And, Father, we just want to know You even more. Whom to know is life eternal. Father, I pray a blessing upon each and every one, Father. Speak to those hearts that are here this morning. For those who do not know Christ, O Lord, that You would speak to them. Like only You can, Father. And Lord, for us, your saints, your friends, oh God, remind us again of these things. Remind us of your power, Father. Remind us, uh, Father, to stick close to you. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.